morning. It's the crack of dawn. You're listening to Two Men on the Run. And today, on the mother of all sports shows, we're going to be discussing my good friend here, Matthew's finest moments as he raced alongside Mo the Mohammed Farah in what was to be a very short-lived experience, but never, never <laughs> mind. <laughs> We're going to discuss that to the full, question his tactics, and because, um, you know, there are, there are people out there who would question them, including myself, maybe. And uh, we're going to talk about training, races, back on the cards, the park run that restarts in October at the same time as the L&D league fixtures, that's the Liverpool District, have cancelled theirs. What's the crack? All up for discussion. And away we go, sir. Yeah, so I mean, uh, who needs enemies when you've got friends like John Joe? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Your mother said that. I know, I stole that, stole the quote. Um, yeah, his mother said that. But <laughs> she, um, and that was in reference to, to the very first podcast. Very first podcast. Yeah, yeah. And my sister listened to it and she said, are you being serious? You know, as if I was being really nasty. Uh, I was just, no, I wasn't, I said to my sister, no, I was just, you know, I was being very honest. She said, women don't get it, do they? They, they don't obviously have a sense of humour. Um, <laughs> right, anyway, listen. <laughs> Mo Farah. Okay. So, yeah, so uh, I suppose introduce the race a little bit. I know we discussed it um, slightly last week. Good idea. Um, Good idea. The Antrim uh, Coast Half Marathon. So, it was it was billed as being a really quick, really fast sort of course. Um, I, I would say, you know, on reflection of running it and... and one, well, one going round it the day before the race in the, in the minibus with uh, some of the other athletes that were running. He's making excuses. Um, it, it wasn't that flat of a course, to be fair. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I compare it, you know, honestly, I compare it to, to Manchester last year where I ran my PB uh, last year. So that was 65-31, uh, 32, sorry. Yeah. Um, and that was, um, there's some hill, there's, there's some, there's no hills in the Manchester course, but you go over the motorway bridge, you go over railway bridges, and there's, so there's little ups and downs. Um, but they don't take that much out of you and you don't really notice them um, and overall across the whole of the, the, the Manchester race you've got about 100, 150 feet or so worth of climbing um, in comparison to Antrim um, you had over 250 feet of climbing across it um, and they, they came in small in, in sort of small spells rather than sort of loads of little bridges across the route uh, like Manchester but it was basically um, you had a, a 20 feet climb in Manchester, it was the highest you ever went up from, from your starting point to, to where you climbed to, it was only 20 feet. So the size of, what, that's about 10 metres or so, the size of a house across a, a bit of a hill. Um, whereas Antrim, uh, the, the biggest climb you went was a, was a 70 foot climb across, so it, considerably more. So it, it wasn't the, the quickest sort of course as, as possibly build to be, to be fair. This sounds um, like the, the greatest excuse ever. <laughs> that's not an excuse I'm quite happy with my time that I ran but what I'm saying is, is, is of a course that it was because obviously for Mo Farah as well he was he was there well, this he is was the thing. racing I can't believe that Mo Farah didn't know that the course or, or you know what you're saying he that this course was more difficult than than, um, than anticipated I'm sure with all his finances and team support they must have known the course, contours of the course, and they must have realised that what he was aiming for, this new British record, which he already has, I believe, yeah. a potentially European record, was on the cards. It just didn't happen on the day. Um, and, and to blame the course afterwards, because um, you, you, you did suggest to me on our training run the other day that perhaps he wouldn't have even bothered if he'd have realised the contours of the court. I can't believe that. <coughs> I can't believe that someone with that kind of investment and support wouldn't uh, would turn up at a race which wasn't suitable for his endeavour. I don't know. I mean, I think um, the the race organizer um, who did a, a wonderful job of putting on a, a race under such conditions and things like that. Um, he was um, he went to university with Mo Farah uh, at St Mary's. Yeah. What's his name? Who is uh, it? James. 
Um, I forget his, his last name now. Um, but he was. Um, they were they were good friends from university uh, and things like that. Obviously, there is a, a lack of races. Moe's pacing the the London Marathon. He's pacing, he's pacing the, the top Brits at, at London to go for the uh, Olympic qualifying standard. So, and this weekend or the weekend just gone would have been the Great North Run weekend, which for Mo for the last six years has always been a half marathon weekend as part of his training, part of his his preparation for for the rest of the season. Um, or the or even sometimes just the end of his season that's his last race so it sort of fell perfectly for him in, in his usual sort of training program and the fact it was a, a set up by a friend of his as well mm. um, I'm sure helped oh, him yeah. want to go and do it and yeah. I, obviously I, I think going into actually, well, actually the race morning of course he would have known the route I knew the route I'd gone round it um, you know Mo would have been driven round it and things like that before and I'm sure I got out and ran on little sections of it as well. I know I went out and practiced the, the finish area and the start area and stuff like that, so I knew exactly where they were the day before. Mm. Um, so, you know, but knowing but knowing the full course going into it, I, I don't know whether he would have done, you know, because it's a new course this year, so it's not one that's been done before. They have changed it. It was meant to change it to a faster course. And overall, it you know, it, it was a, it's a good course. It's not a, 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 a bad course or anything like that. It was quick. It's extremely scenic and beautiful. Um, it is along the coast, so you do get the, the, the threat of, of a strong wind, uh, um, depending on the direction and things. Um, Maybe it's so it's it's a tricky one, but obviously the field quality is always what's going to bring it on. Something like another perfect example um, of, a, of a course similar to it, um, in sort of in terms of it gets really quick times. It's billed as being a really quick, fast course. Is the Ribble Valley 10K course, um, which happens New Year's Day, uh, uh, usually every year. Um, that course is billed as being ridiculously quick, and to be fair, you look at the, some of the times that are run there, and they are, you know, low 29 minutes, even into the 28 minutes times, some really quick 10k times. But um, the course itself is rolling hills the whole way. It's, it, you know, it's not flat. It's not thinking there's much flatter, faster on paper courses. Yeah. But the quality of the field that that that, that course gets every year, um, you know, is 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 pretty much the best of the best Brits turn up to race it and because of that you know they obviously push hard and race each other and then the guys you know like myself that are coming in in that next wave behind them in terms of the quality and stuff like that we get dragged to quick times and, and, and faster times but not to say that we probably couldn't run a faster time without maybe the depth in field on a better co you know course that was flatter and things like that so again you know in Antrim I got dragged to a, 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 a PB um, and a good time because there was a quality field in there. But I think if I'd have run Manchester again, if Manchester had been on and I'd been able to run Manchester, knowing the course now, knowing it's not as hilly, knowing it's usually not as windy either because it's more central than, than Antrim's coastal uh, course, I probably could have run faster or at least the same sort of time as I did in Antrim there. And I think I could have run faster at Manchester than I, than I did at Antrim just because of this, the, the difference in course sort of thing without the field quality being as as good a, a field quality. I was thinking Mo Farah was going to announce himself as an Irishman when he uh, landed in Antrim. <laughs> With those spindly legs, he's got to be. He's got to have a bit of Irish, <laughs> Irish in him. <laughs> Listen, your tactics. You told me before you went there you were aiming for sixty-three minutes. Uh, you'd done sixty-five, you know, whatever, and. You know, I know you better than yourself. You could never hail this as a success story. Um, and Jade said she, you wouldn't be happy. Um, I know positive mindset is really important, but also you can't delude yourself either. If you've set yourself a target and you're way off that target, is it not a good idea just to acknowledge that you've failed it on, on this attempt and to, to rebuild from learning about mistakes and understanding that it is a failure or do you just completely redraft the whole thing and say this is a success story because I was five seconds quicker it's a PB you know do you know what I mean yeah well I mean for me um, my yeah my goal going in um, I'd, mostly because I wanted a, a more positive attitude towards going into the race because we had the mid-Cheshire 5k that we both raced a couple of weeks ago obviously I collapsed in it with an asthma attack following week um, I was sort of really down really sort of negative on how I felt fitness wise because my first attempt at 
back racing this year hadn't gone particularly well, uh, but hadn't gone well at all. Um, a dropout is, is never something you want to do. Um, so I really needed to fire myself up, and obviously I knew I was in sort of 65 minute shape, but obviously I wanted to go faster and I needed to set a goal higher than that. I, I always believe you need to set a, a higher goal than, than what you're probably capable of to give you that sort of determination to, to go out and, and try and achieve something better. Um, I mean, you, that's, that's when, what I did back in Manchester yeah, last year, to be fair. Uh, except that well, you've got to, it's got to be a realistic goal. It's like saying, I don't know, 63 minutes is realistic. Yeah, I think I, you, you know, I, my you know the plan was always really? it was always a high sixty high sixty three to uh, to a low sixty four minute time would would have been my ideal sort of time mm. um, to have raced on Saturday, which was anywhere between uh, my pace uh, was anywhere between four forty eight mile pace and uh, four fifty three mile pace. That was my pace bracket to try and target and, and, and run between. Yeah. Um, and and to be fair, that that's pretty much where I ran between up until the last four miles. And mm. I don't think there was much I would have changed up to that point because so those last four miles were, were into into the headwind. And when you look at that's where that's where my pace dropped. And it's not necessarily dropped because I was tired because I didn't feel like I was. I felt like I was digging in. I felt like I was running just as hard. Mm. But I was going into a, about a 20 mile per hour headwind. So there's quite a substantial wind to be running into and that is going to take its toll and but you've got a, 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 you're, you're carrying a lot more weight than the average runner yeah there's yeah, so some of the guys yeah you I'm, should be able to blast through that wind well no it gives me more more bulk to be hit by the wind doesn't it so <laughs> um, <laughs> but i was i was about 10 seconds per mile down on the pace i'd sustained the whole rest of the race over those four miles so that you know there's 40 seconds that 40 seconds would have been me sub 65, would have been in the middle of sort of, you know, getting down towards the, the 64, 30, and that would have been a nice, a really nice sort of time to have hit. Um, I'm happy with a PB, a PB is a PB at the end of the day, and you should always be happy with a PB. There's always, you, as a runner, no matter what, whether you run a PB or not, you're always gonna want more from yourself, because otherwise, what drives you to the next race? If, you, if, you, if you're completely satisfied and completely happy, then, retire and hang up your hang up the shoes there because you know what's the point in going disappointing yourself in the next one but you, you know you've got to look at the race and a pb the conditions were tough i mean mo farrow wanted a minute faster than he ran and um, so when you put that in perspective you know i wanted a minute faster than i ran so you know that that would be you know really nice if you could think i mean obviously you can't say that would be the case but if you know mo was in the shape to run a minute faster i was in the shape to run a minute faster then fantastic um but I was 20th in, in the field going into it. Uh, my, my time was, was, would put me 20th in the field. I finished 15th overall, so I finished five places further up the field than, than on paper I should have done. Um, I beat um, two um, Olympians in there, Scott Overall, who's a great runner, and Nick McCormack, who's a great runner, and, and both have shown um, really good form the last couple of years, well, the last couple of months. They've done a couple of races. Um, I know Nick McCormack knocked out a, a very low 14 minute 5k um, at the first podium 5k that was back on uh, post lockdown and things like that. Yeah, he ran in the A race there, so um, and he he's beaten me at podium 5k before, so it was it was it was nice to take a, a, win, next, a win over him as well. Next question, Your Honour. <laughs> Mo Farah was approximately five minutes ahead of you. Yep. He won the race by 12 seconds. Um, in the clip that's that's been out, it's out there. Uh, you're charging alongside Mo Farah and these particular characters. Some individuals, some people, friends of mine, question your tactics. Um, do you want to explain yourself on that particular? Because it, it it's it's natural for those people to question your tactics. Um, makes good sense to do so not in a nasty way but just to think if you're pushing yourself full whack alongside those guys what what would happen if you just took took the edge off it ran more at your own pace um and would that not give you more chance of, of reaching the 63 minute goal so i mean I think the, um, it's all about the context of where you see the video. So the video is, is literally from the start line. So it's us going from the start. Um, my pace at the time was 450 pace, which is the pace I, I wanted to run at. Usually at the start, you go faster um, anyway, because you, you just get going off the start line and, and, and people pick it up. 
Um, I think the thing is, is, is you compare it to, if you compare it to a 5K, um, and where, where I'd race at a 5K or even a 10K, I would blast off. One, I'd blast off to the front knowing that I don't know that there's anyone in the field or anything like that. Obviously in this race, I knew who was in the field. I knew there was no point in me being at the very front of the, the race. Um, but there's 24 of us in our race and every one of us was in that group. Um, that video shows maybe the first 40 meters of the race. So we're basically just off the start line. Mm. Um, my pace was exactly where I wanted it to be. Um, and usually, as I say, at the start, you would go faster. And to be fair, we did pick up the pace a little bit from there, mostly because after that video ends, we pretty much hit the, the peak of the hill and then we dropped down for a mile. So the first mile after that, that initial little 50 meters is a downhill mile and quite a, a generous downhill. Mm. Um, so the pace of all of us picked up nicely. Um, I just tucked in. The, the great thing about a half marathon as well, and a half marathon where you've got such an experienced field, is they don't set off like they do in a, in a, a 5k race that we're used to, or a cross country race or something like that, where people go wild and everyone sets off. Everyone knows they've got 13.1 miles to run. Um, I remember it in, in Manchester, I set off, and my, my target my, back in Manchester uh, last October, was to run five minute mile pace and we set off and I thought well I just took into the group I'll just sit in the group no one blasted off or anything like that and we got through the first mile and it was a 4.53 mile and I thought well, well this is a lot quicker than I, I wanted to sort of run really seven seconds faster per mile but at the same time it felt like I was jogging it felt so slow um, I was sort of tripping over myself and things like that and I thought oh, you know it felt so easy and so comfortable um, that it was sort of you don't notice it because you're sat in that park because you're sort of in, in, in the race in a, in a half the guys set off more sensible even the faster guys will set off more sensible because they can make up the pace further in the race it's mm. long enough to be able to do that mm. obviously in a, in a 5k you know you've got to get off hard because the race is over and done with in you yeah. know we're talking uh, you know for myself just over 14 minutes or hopefully under 14 minutes when I, when I get around to doing one a, que um, a question um you mentioned, you know, the monitoring your own pace during a race and obviously using technology. You've already told me, which I, th I found was quite interesting, I think the listener would find quite interesting, that on the start line, every individual was honed in on their own watches, but Mo Farah wasn't. He was looking straight ahead. Yeah. Something about that. Do we read more into that than... than maybe, maybe we do. I mean, yeah, there was a, a photo I saw um, of us all on the start line. Um, sort of straight on uh, photo from the start. And we're all stood there. And obviously they, they said we're going to get going soon. And every one of us has reached down. One arm on our watch, ready to start it. Heads, heads down, ready to go. Um, and then right in the middle of us all is Mo Farah stood there. Stood there tall, just staring straight out at the course as if, you know, it's it's his course, it's his ownership of it. Obviously, that's me reading into, into it mm. sort of thing. But it, it, it's very interesting to sort of see that photo um, and sort of see, you know, the difference in, in all of us in comparison to Mo is that, you know, he's not bothered by his watch. He's not bothered by, you know, getting himself into a position to be ready to shoot off the start line because, again, it's a half marathon. You, you don't need to. You can just go off and relax into it, which is which is what the whole field did. Um, and we all knew we were going to be going downhill pretty shortly. Um, did he press his watch at all? Um, not as far as I know. So I, don't think, I don't think he did. I think he's, he wearing a he's wearing a watch, but he's not pressed it. Um, what what kind of data will he be getting from that watch in the race if he if he's not started it or I don't know to be fair, well not not, not not a huge amount I mean it probably um, I guess it record his, his heart rate data and things like that I mean he might have a um, a shoe pod on on his on his, his foot a foot pod um, that's recording his data and maybe that's what he's using instead a shoe pod um, yeah there's a um, there's a couple of different brands that, that do them and things like that, but they're, they're meant to be more accurate than the, than the watch really? um, itself. Um, they track the, the data, they, they measure power um, input through, from the legs and things like that into the ground. 
So instead of pressing the watch, as soon as he moves his foot foot forward, he effectively kicks in. It, yeah, triggers the. So you think that's recording. maybe what happened? Maybe that's what he was wearing. I don't know. I'd have to have a look at closer look at the photos to see. But or you, you know, could, possibly could, he could be. He could be looking. He could have been using something like that. Is he that. the type of person to answer that question if you asked him or asked his? Yeah, oh yeah, I'm sure he would be. Yeah. Or is it all a big secret? No, no. I mean, you, but you just look at the photos and you'd be able to see if he if he did have one. Um, well, the pod is on the outside. It's on the outside. Yeah, usually over the uh, the. The laces and things like that connects in. I know I've I've got one to use with my with my treadmill and stuff like that, um, to try and make the recordings on there a little more more yeah. accurate when I use that. Um, in terms of the impact. Um, well, like a little through. plastic thing over the top or something. Yeah, like just like it. It's just like um, two comes in two parts and you you put it over the laces and then sort of it lock you turn it and lock it into place. And it's, connect, the it's connected to the watch via some kind of. Uh, no, it, it records it all on the. Um, on the pod itself, on the pod, sorry, yeah. and then you just you just connects up to the phone, then all afterwards, and, yeah, afterwards. And oh yeah, but what it, during the race, that's of no help to him. No, 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 it wouldn't oh, be telling right, him yeah. any data. No, on it's not, not yeah, passing the data on during the. No, no. Oh well. But yeah. it's the same as yourself. You don't, you don't, uh, you know, you you yeah, not run with the watch or anything, so you're not getting that that data and that. Well, I'm doing, I'm doing, I'm doing this because I'm aiming to improve, and I just found I'm listening to the older guys, and we've got a few few down. Liverpool Harriers now who have come back Nathan van der Salem and uh, he ran 29 minutes for 10k 29 something he, he had some good t- really good times um, I mean what's your best 31 31 no 30 minutes 8 seconds right oh, ok so an- another just just less than a minute yep um, but th- these guys there's quite a few of them you know 29 minutes and when he did his fast time he only finished 10th and I'm pretty confident now. I've spoken to quite quite a number of people. The standard was almost definitely higher on a general on a general sort of in this area definitely. So you know, people were fitter. They were living a different type of life. Um, we're much more sedentary now. They're sitting around more computers, phones, and all this, and it, it all adds. But the interesting thing regarding the watch was. These guys didn't have that technology. Um, they couldn't monitor one another's uh, performance performances, you know, via Strava. So they were just out there running, um, and they'd just go out and they'd have an idea of, of routes and how many miles. They'd have an idea, and they'd be going more off feeling. I think that's the key. I think that's the thing that's really made me think more about it. I always wanted. It, it didn't make any sense because I came to this sport late. They were all clicking watches. I didn't realise, but I knew there was something not quite right, and what it was that I couldn't explain because I was so new to the sport was that with all the the technology, you you you've created a disconnect between yourself, um, your own body, your own feelings, and that connection between the the mind, psychology, and the being and the movements. You've created a disconnect by introducing any type of technology uh, yes it can be harnessed to, 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 to a, I'm sure great effect but I don't think it, it, it is being I think it's being overused and people are relying on it and they're actually no longer even thinking so that this um, they're no longer thinking about their own feeling and how they feel and what, what it is to feel a particular type of pace even um, they're just it's the watch. Everything's on the watch, and it, I think it creates a negative mindset um, because you can never really be happy with 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 every every mark you're looking at it. That in itself is reducing potentially time and movement, the biomechanics of, of the move. Um, you're looking at the watch, and then you're thinking, "Oh, I'm going too fast," um, or "I'm going too slow," and then it's it's an it's an so the so yeah. So if if I could. I'm aiming to uh, go old school with this now and, and see if if I can f- find a more of more of a freedom. I've certainly found that in training recently. We're just using a Casio, finding a freedom. Um, I didn't have the Casio. I, I, I left it somewhere, but the other day. But I'm not going to run without anything. Um, although that's an option if you know routes. Yeah. And you, you you have a look at the clock before you leave the house. You've an idea of how long you've been running for. You you can calculate. Um, 
<clears throat> rough sort of I think the old school is, is a bit more it's approximations yeah they're not too et up on minute detail I think that doesn't really help I think you can you can study all this fine detail but you by doing so you miss the bigger picture which is and also the enjoyment factor I think when you get rid of the technology I think you'll find yourself enjoying it more free flow and you maybe even run longer you know you instead of saying I'm going to run this you just go out and run and maybe before you know it you've, you've done you know does that make any sense or yeah it makes yeah makes sense I mean I know I used to you know I got what my first Garmin in what around about 2013 they've been around a, a little bit before then and um, I, I know I, I got it as a, a birthday present um, and then basically I think I used it for maybe a month, two months max, um, and it, it just kept telling me I was going slower. So uh, I, I just I put it in a drawer for about two years, then and <laughs> didn't touch it again. Um, you know until I until I really started back uh, properly, and then I used it to not really to look at pace or anything, but just to measure the distances I was I was running. Um, oh, what about your mother? Your mother, she was an Olympian. Um, we're going to get her on the show at some point. I wonder, you know what. Co- what technology was available back then, and, and what did she what did she think about when she went on it, on her training runs, and then her race races? Did she have anything at all? Did she have a? What, what I wouldn't have thought so. To be fair, okay. um, really? it'd yeah. be interesting to ask her. But um, I mean, you know, back back when she was racing, technology was very limited. I mean, they didn't even do um, women's specific running shoes. She just got given whatever she was given I mean luckily she was a she's a, a size seven and a half so she you know the men's shoes uh, fitter but mm. um, you know she was just given given whatever shoes that there were so she didn't even have you know the technology from from that standpoint did she have, a, she have a watch uh, of some sort you know that she would be utilizing like a Casio or I wouldn't have thought so nothing. I mean not I wouldn't have thought so, no, really? uh, to be fair. Um, mm. she's, she's, she's a bit of a technophobe, in, in all fairness, you know. Um, I didn't having said that, she's, her degree was in um, IT back in the uh, 70s and 80s. Really? So, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, a very different sort of IT than we have today, obviously. Uh, we're talking big mainframe computers and things like that. Yeah. But, um, but uh, yeah, I mean, she's, she's got a, a Polar watch at the moment, is, is what she uses. Um, oh, what, sorry? Polar. Polar. Yeah, another brand. Um, yeah. So she uses that at the moment. Uh, it builds like a, a training program for her to try and, you know, give her something to do. Because as much as um, obviously great runner that she was and stuff like that, it was me dad that, that knew all the training principles and the practices and stuff, and she just sort of did what what, what he told her to. When did to he do. did he have a watch? He he'd have had a watch. He, I always remember my dad running with a Casio on and stuff like that. Casio, so just yeah, a bit of a just a basic watch. Oh yeah, GPS like, didn't exist back then. It wasn't like, like a uh, thing. Timex or something. What do you call us? That other brand. That Casio's a brand, isn't it? Yeah, Casio's a brand. Yeah, Timex is uh, a brand. Stuff like that. Yeah. Just so basically using. You're just timing yourself, aren't you? Yeah, you just the, the, yeah. Just for how long you're running for. Yeah, and then you um, you know you, and then you just sort of. Going off the pace you feel, um, you, yeah. you, you feel, and then you sort of going well. Although that he, pace he, felt like it was maybe even, seven minute mile pace, so I was out for. Yeah. You know whatever. Even with that system, you get some people who would take the time that they've been running for, and you could create lots of data really. Oh yeah, of course uh, you could. Yeah. But then other people maybe they wouldn't even log the time itself. <laughs> you know, um, I suppose it all depends on what works for you. I think. Less is better. I think less is better. Get rid of the junk, you know. Um, clear the mind, I think. And, and but that's just me. Yeah. See, um, I mean, I, I like I like the data side. I like to, yeah. to, to study it, reflect on it. Uh, maybe not, you know, straight after the run or a race, but you know, the year later when I'm about the same time of the year and I'm training, and maybe it's not going as well that, that year, and I'm wondering, you know, what's different to last year? Where, you know, with my mileage is high. Was were was I doing faster pace runs the year before than I am now, and I've, I've backed off too much, or am I going too fast now? And it wasn't last year, and you know, I'm, uh, giving myself enough recovery and things like that. So I, I like to reflect on that data and use that to sort of, you know, adjust my training really to, to, to get myself in in good shape and and not overtrain and not undertrain, because uh, you know it's a fine line that you that, that we uh, can we navigate really. 
Now listen, well done on your experience of the motherland. You know, you went back home to your beloved island. Mr. Crane, well, it, was, it was Northern Ireland, wasn't it, to be fair? Well, so we, we, the, the island of Ireland, it's, yeah, it's yeah. the same island, you know, it's Ireland. That's the way it should be. Anyway, um, the park run, the park run is back in October. And that, doesn't that mean huge groups of people running at the same time? Um, yeah, so. It, yeah. Well. The, but at the same time, we've got the Liverpool and District League. Uh, cross country, you know, it's got a lot of history to it, and they made a judgment there to cancel the first couple of fixtures. Um, and the first fixture was actually in October. Um, and within a couple of days, Parkrun announced that restarting in October. And I'm thinking, God, what about the cross country? You know, can they not rethink that particular decision? Um, it doesn't seem that they're going to do so. No. It doesn't seem so. And it, it is a weird one. Like, I mean, when I first heard Park Run was coming back, um, you know, there was a lot of sort of, I suppose, discussion thrown around. Um, because, you know, you're talking most Park Runs regularly, uh, you know, maybe 200 to 300 runners. You've got some of them that go well over 1,000 runners each week. Um, and obviously at the moment, we're, we're being told to still socially distance and things. And to be fair, the, the couple of days after the Park Run announcement, um, Boris came out and, and, and said the rule of six is being back in force no more than six people can't meet indoors, can't meet outdoors no more than six, everything like that and you sort of thought to yourself well well, there's park, park Run's not coming back in October then with that um, but then Park Run came out and said no no we've discussed all this with the government and things and we're fine to go ahead because we're seen as being we, we've got a um, our risk assessments and policies and everything like that in place that we are fine to go ahead and I know there's been a lot of resignations of um, run directors and event directors over over this decision. Really? Not, really? Yeah, they're Why? not happy that... Why? Well, they're not happy to come back um, in October. They don't think it's safe oh, to do that. And things like that. So they're sort of saying... Shame you know, on you. They're, they're, they don't want to. So, um, <laughs> which, you know, I can understand, but... Well, I can't understand it because... Do you know something, mate? Don't, a lot of people are going to disagree with me on this, but this lockdown for me, it, it's not a good idea. It's never a good idea. The government, as far as I'm concerned, you know, it's 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 a question of free will. You advise people. This is my opinion, just my opinion. You advise people. You give them lots of um, relevant information, the detail, and then you let them live their lives. Um, now the government's role—it's—it's it's not that. It's not to 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 go that hard line. I think to look after people who can't look after themselves. Yes, and we all have a choice. If you feel you're vulnerable, you lock yourself away. You find means and ways. I've got an old friend there in his eighties. He's decided it was his decision. He's not been anywhere. Him and his partner have been locked up now for six or seven months. Shopping gets delivered. You can do that online. You know. It's left at the door. Um, that's his decision. Um, but when the government start forcing it down the throats of everybody, um, and and people will say, "Oh yeah, but you know the the viruses it'll spread." I'm, <sighs> this 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 is life. Yeah. You, 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 you know, London. Seventeen percent of the population have had this disease in London. Yeah. That's the highest um, figure of, as a yeah. percentage. Now, for immunity to take effect, you need, I think you've, we, we've discussed this, haven't we? Is it 80%? Or, or we haven't known? I don't know, I don't know. Um, so it's way off that mark. So the progress, we're back, we're back really where we were. Nothing's really improved. No, I mean... And um, yet, at the same time, nothing's really improved. But they're actually now thinking, well, hang on, we can't carry on like this. So they're going back to sort of... The idea of free will and just say, well, let people get on with it. It's up to them. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, I mean, my my thoughts yeah. on it is, and the bit that confuses me is that originally, as, as far as I understand, and, and it'd be interesting to hear um, any experts out there's thoughts on this. But from my understanding, we originally went in for lockdown back in March to push back the um, the peak of cases um, and the peak of, of the pandemic, so that we could 
build the structure uh, and the infrastructure within our NHS um, and our medical services so that they could cope with it with that peak with it being you know it wouldn't overwhelm them and people wouldn't die um, necessarily because they couldn't because the services couldn't cope with with the amount of people um, you know coming down with the with yeah. with, with the COVID um, and so we went into lockdown to reduce all that and to get yeah. us through that while at the same time putting into place the infrastructure so that come around to the winter when obviously you get the flu season comes about anyway and things like that the NHS the medical services in the country are built up enough to to cope to have the infrastructure to cope with with lots of cases of people and that those most at risk can then be seen and and and, and hopefully you know survive it and things like that because you know as people have said there's just as many people die of it not as in a quick as a, a space of time in a window because that's the issue with covid is that it it's it's such a quickly spread um uh, you know it spreads so quickly that it spreads quicker than like the flu and things like that so that people number of people that get affected can't then be seen if the infrastructure isn't there to look after them and stuff like that and therefore die when they necessarily don't have to but just as many people or more so die from the flu every year um you know charlie spedden and stuff like that say just as many people die from obesity but obviously yeah. there's a there's a longer term of you could change obesity you can do things to, to reduce that and stuff like that by putting it in place whereas in covid you can't really apart from like the point of the lockdowns or putting the infrastructure in place within the medical services to cope with it and my whole thought is surely the whole point of the lockdown was to put that medical infrastructure in place and if it is in place now then surely the world can sort of or at least the uk if there is i don't know you know other countries got there in place and stuff like that surely they have done as well because they went into lockdowns surely we could just return to everyday life now yeah knowing that the infrastructure is there and obviously those that are most at risk and things like that like you say have that free will and that choice to you know isolate themselves and keep themselves sort of you know away from it as much as possible until maybe a vaccine is is made and things like that and then it's it's you know their risk is, is a lot lower because they can get that vaccine done and things well, so i don't know it's, it's we're effect really we're effectively living now in a in a police state yeah and, and to be fair i've just been on a, i've just been on an airplane yeah. over to ireland so stuffed you know there's no there's no there's no sort of um keeping separate and things like that. No two meter no, rules no. on the aeroplane. You're no. wearing a mask, but you're stuffed in there. I, and what was funny was yeah. we got off at Manchester yeah. and uh, for some reason, they've landed us at the furthest possible point from the terminal. That's right, closed that's right for you. Uh, no, it was easy, it was easy chat, actually, easy chat. <laughs> you, and, did, uh, you didn't land in New York. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> but, uh, but then they put us onto, onto the, you know, the buses, the airport buses. And they put us onto that and we were all crammed in there like sardines on this, uh, more so yeah. than we were on the plane. Because we're all just crammed into this little one, yeah. and I just thought, where's the, you know, where's this sort of, you know, at least yeah. one meter rule it, and things ridic- like that? It ridic- just seems. See, pe- people are not using their own. When you force people to do, you know, they rebel. Um, now, there's a lot of conspiracy theories as well. Some of these conspiracy theories, maybe, maybe just in insofar as you know, pharmaceutical companies, uh, PPE, you know, the amount of money that's been made off the back of this stuff, which just gets used and thrown away and then the devastating impact on the environment the plastics right. when you think of all the gloves that, that have been well, single use everywhere. now the devastating impact on the environment start reading out all the other figures but the big one for me is the social devastation really the the elderly i've seen some of them i know some of them sadly um lost a really good friend there during this whole COVID thing, uh, Ronnie. Um, we buried him recently, and he was told by his doctor to, to s- isolate, stay, lock yourself away, Ronnie. He was dying anyway. He had cancer and various other illnesses, but I think that just tipped him over the edge. And he was in his own home for weeks and weeks and weeks following this advice. And I said, Ronnie, you've got, you know, you're terminally ill, you've not got that long. Jump in your car, mate. Go for a drive. Go and buy yourself an ice cream. Get out the, the house. Live your life. You've only got a short... If you catch the Chinese virus... What do they call it? COVID. <laughs> <laughs> I might have to cut that bit. 
Oh, is that you're not allowed to say that? Donald I'm Trump says. That. Donald Trump says that. So we shouldn't repeat what Donald Trump oh, said. Oh, sorry, I didn't really. <laughs> okay, you can cut that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but seriously, I can't really get all these words out because I'm I'm so flabbergasted by this this the people out there and some of these nurses as well. Oh, they don't half they irk me. Is that a word? Irk, irksome. Irk, irksome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I need to look that word up because I'm sure that's the word. Because they think they're the centre of the world and everything revolves around this disease and it's everybody has to be locked down and we can't do anything, we can't go anywhere. But what about the effects of that? It's not just a simple case of numbers are being reduced or not. What about the social um, implications well, psychological, this, this psychological, and, and the kids and whatnot. I walked past St. Teresa's school the other day, primary school, and I looked, to, I glanced to the left, and I, I, I saw this teacher assistant, whatever, and all these kids, there's about 15 to 20 of them, and they were all jammed side by side, jammed, like penned in like sheep, and she wouldn't allow them past. She wanted to tell them to behave themselves or whatever before she let them onto the playground. I thought, hang on a minute, because I, I don't really listen much to, to all this depressing news. But aren't they supposed to be separated by this, you know, this space or whatever? Oh yeah, know. but that's a, that's the thing. Yeah. You're never going to get those kids to be able to. No, but she she actually in, she she brought them all together <laughs> like sheep, you know, at sardines, and there was no need. There's loads of space. They're outside, but. Um, yeah, I think for me, you've got a free will. Free will, freedom, advise, um, make people well aware of it. And I'm sure they're well aware because they can't get away from it. And um, vulnerable people, of course, need to take real, real notice about this and, and, and make decisions. But it's up to them to make those decisions. There um, you go, John Joe. There you go. go. Sorry, go you, you like a good conspiracy theory. Yeah, here's, go on, a, here's a thought. Yeah, go on, yeah. So obviously, the whole Brexit thing's going on again at the moment. Yeah. And it's been brought back up. Yeah. Boris Johnson is trying to break the, the European laws and, and the laws and everything like that with this new. Uh, I don't. I don't know the specifics of it actually. Yeah, I heard about but that. Yeah. I don't think time, anybody does. By no, the way. but at the same time as him doing that, and yeah. it's all in the. It's, it, they've started to leak that. He's obviously reinvigorated this whole lockdown, and we're going back to this rule of six. Mm. Is he doing that? Yeah. To try and take some of the pressure and the uh, the awareness and the attention off him trying to undermine the British and European law in uh, with this whole Brexit thing? Oh, I see what you mean. I don't think so. I mean, no, I don't think so. I think um, as much as I've, I've, I've got absolutely no time for Boris, I don't particularly believe all these, all these conspiracies. Um, you know, those kind of decisions. You know, yeah, you, maybe, maybe, but listen, I think the press are going to pick up on everything. It's all out there. It's all negative, and he's it, it, constantly under the firing line, no matter what he does, and he will be for the rest of his his um, what do you call it? tenure tenure. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, but there's so many conspiracies in, in regards to this particular virus as well, and and um, but you know wearing masks it reduces the oxygen level or whatever you know, and elderly people can. It's it's dampening down the lungs and all this kind of stuff. Um, there are many many. It's all about money. A lot of people in the conspiracy theory, overwhelming. It's always about the fact that people are profiteering. Um, it's it's money based, and I, sadly, I think there's there is always going to be some truth in it. I mean, in Charlie Spedding's book regarding statins, statins reduce cholesterol. But they also could potentially lead to dementia, um, all sorts of illnesses. And when you look at the, the, uh, all these studies and you put them all together and you realise actually the significant data there, um, people with lower you don't need, you know, cholesterol is a good thing. Um, in the news, in the advertisements, there's such a thing as bad cholesterol. He would say actually cholesterol doesn't cause heart disease. It's a myth. It's other factors. They've jumped on this cholesterol and the statin producing drugs and they found one that was really potent that completely rid people of, lowered the cholesterol dramatically. 
and they had to take it off the market. They couldn't put it out there because it was killing people, literally killing people. So you need cholesterol. But the, they, they don't talk about all the side effects of the statins. They've medicated the well from the age of 30 to, um, in the book, the, uh, 74, I think, for, 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 from, from a lady or 60 for a man. They, they, they've rolled out all these statins, um, medicating people who are well, but they've not even discussed the side effects and why not. The big question is why not? And of course, I believe that it is. Yes, it, it is about money. It is about profiteering. And sadly, not for the, the health of ordinary people, but to the detriment. So let's, let's um, now we've had our little uh, political uh, chat show uh, section of the podcast. <laughs> let's, um, let's swing ourselves to, to finish off with a little bit more chatter about running. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, we've got yeah. this weekend, uh, you, you've got a, a road relay. Team race. Oh yeah. Back yeah. together as a team. You know, the, the sort of the, yeah. the I suppose the, the you know it invigorates the, the team mentality of your training groups, everything like that. Um, I know Sutton's got a team. Um, I, I I'm not in it because I, I I thought my marathon was coming up, but that's been postponed for, for, very two, for a week. Very so selfish. Very selfish. So you've got to be when you're when you're a runner, John Jay, yeah. you've got to be selfish. Oh, yeah, yeah. But um yeah. yeah, so you know, let's you know, how, well, how I'm you just, about I'm, that? I'm just on tender hooks now. I think I'm gonna get lots of trolls. Is that what you call them? Trolls or trolls? Whichever. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna get loads and loads of trolls. Uh, I can't wait. You know, over this this uh, this um, virus. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, yeah. So I've got to, got to, I've got to forget about that now. I've got to forget about all the trolls and um, talk positively about Haydock Park and um, jumping over the fences at Haydock Park because it's a, a race course, you know. Race course, yeah. 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 Um, we'll give a shout out to your teammates who's, who's, who's on the team for Liverpool then or is it a secret is it a, oh no, secret? no 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 we don't have secrets because this podcast will only come out well after the, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's true that's true well I, I, I'm fully aware, well I'm aware it's been discussed it's on, 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 on the group there I mean Tom Rogerson the captain um, Captain Tom as he, as he likes to be known as hero from the telly <laughs> you know <laughs> Captain Tom. You know, it's funny, isn't it funny though? Because people, it's all perception, you know. People get like completely different ideas on everything, you know. And Captain Tom, he's been this, you know, he's on the media or on the television, everything, as this hero, you know, this heroic figure, um, you know, and they've, they've put all these documentaries and. So, sorry, Matthew's looking at me funny because he thinks I'm going to say something <laughs> shocking. But I'm not going to say it because somebody else did. I'm, I'm, <laughs> um, Captain Tom. You know, all this, you know, what an amazing figure, you know, this great man and all this. Anyway, I'm not going to name this gentleman. Uh, I found him a great character, actually. A uh, great character. And um, it's funny because... When I visited him, I was helping him out, and um, his his he absolutely detested Captain Tom. He called him a glory hunter, <laughs> and it made me chuckle. Um, not that I believe that he's a glory hunter. Maybe he is. I don't know, Captain Tom. Um, but it made me chuckle because um, I believe in free speech. I didn't get upset with the guy. No. Um, on the one hand, there are people thinking this guy is amazing, but then this other guy vehemently attacked him, and absolutely, some of the things he said about Captain Tom, you couldn't, um, you couldn't. Uh, but he, it was this idea that he was a glory hunter, and he'd been on the quiz show years ago, apparently, and whatnot. But um, it's amazing, subjective. People like different things; they've got different ideas. I think you've got to respect different opinions and not get too et up about different opinions, different ideas. So going back, Matthew, I know, okay, to Haydock Park. I was going to say, I'm not really sure where, where you got onto that topic from. Because <laughs> Tom Rogerson is our, our captain. And relating to COVID, <laughs> relating to COVID, because I have my own ideas, not particularly 
uh, a supporter of the conspiracy theories, certainly not uh, a supporter of, of the policies of the government and the government itself and what their role, I'm not a supporter of who they, who they think they are, you know. Um, but what I'm trying to say is subjective perception. We've all got different ideas and that's okay in a free, tolerant society. Don't get too angry. Respect different ideas and opinions because if we all had the same opinion, if we're all on the same side of the coin, what would that be like? We'd all be robots, machines with no feelings and thoughts um, and we'd just be, it, it wouldn't work, would it, you know? So, That's yeah. That's a running though. Haydock Park, Captain, <laughs> Captain Tom, he's named his team and um, I did read it, you know, I read it, we've got um, Ryan, myself, Tom and Maybe Hamza's in the team, and um, but I didn't Jay. I'm not sure. There's a couple of guys, you know, could be in either team, and um, I didn't study it because I just think, see myself. I'm in this particular team, want to do well, and I just give 100. percent And how, how you feel? How you feel you're going to do? Because it's a it's an early start, isn't it? I think it's an early race. Senior men are first. Half as well. nine. Half nine. Yeah. Uh, it's not just senior men. It's it's under 20 and senior men. Mm, okay. So there's a mix. Uh, uh, so you've got six in a team. Yeah. You've got to have. I don't know what the you know. I didn't study that either. Um, but you, you know, you've got to have maybe one under 12, a couple of under 20s in the t in each team. I don't know um, exactly. But as I say, for me, it's about putting on the shirt, the gold the gold of the Liverpool Harriers. And they've been very good to me. Um, the coach, Tony Clark, and I've really enjoyed, um, for the first time really, uh, being a part of this team because 100% we've discovered, I've discovered Sefton Park, what a beautiful park. Newsham Park, Croxteth Park, Calderstons and Clark Gardens, uh, Botanic Gardens, all these places in Liverpool. Oh, Liverpool, Lou. Beautiful places, and um, each session, you know, different and fresh and vibrant. And then, of course, you've got the facility at Wavertree, which we just we've just gone back to. Um, so, really enjoying being a part of this team. And, and sadly, I've not. I've only I've had one race the other week, which I wasn't particularly happy with. But I'm I'm fully enthused and and fully behind, wanting to do well for the team because they've given me so much. It's about time I delivered. Um, so looking forward to, to Sunday and uh, half nine, half nine starts. Okay, that's yeah. okay. Yeah. So um, yeah, I think we'll uh, we'll call it a wrap there. Yeah. Uh, thanks for for listening. That'll probably be our, our last podcast because I'm fairly certain we're getting sued after this one. Oh um, God! <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> but, uh, thanks for listening, guys. Um, yeah, and uh, thanks for uh, everyone across the world that's listening. I know we've got people out in, in America. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, I think there's even Australia. Uh, really? Yeah. Oh, there, that's so, amazing, yeah. Um, it's great to hear. Thanks for, for supporting us. We yeah. Oh. Enjoying the show. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, we'll catch you next time.